You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today, we have a special guest missionary with us. Let's prepare our hearts as our guest missionary brings forth God's truths from His Word today. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Genesis chapter 18. And we're going to start in verse 23. Genesis 18, starting in verse 23. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure, there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy the, the wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure, there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Will thou destroy all the city for a lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure, there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said unto him, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure, there shall thirty be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure, there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure, ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. Now for those of us who have been coming to church for some amount of time for a while now. Uh, for those of us who came uh, since we were little in Sunday school, this is probably a story that we've heard at least a couple of times, right? This is a story about God and Abraham. And in this story, in this passage, God and Abraham, they're having a conversation, right? And during this conversation, God begins to tell Abraham his plans to judge this wicked city of Sodom. So before we we progress too much, let's find out why God was going to judge the city. And let's find out why the Bible calls this a wicked city. So for that, let's go to verse 20 real quick. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous... So I don't need to go into great detail this evening. I think we all understand what is going on here. But verse 20, the Bible sums it up beautifully. The the Bible says, and because their sin is very grievous. Church, who is this sin grievous to? It's grievous to our God. So what does this tell us about our God? This tells us that our God is a holy God. This tells us that our God is just. What I love about this passage is that what we find out here, we see that our God is 100% just. Do you all agree with that? Absolutely, right? But one thing that's, that's amazing, awesome, unique about our God, not only is he 100% just, our God is also 100% merciful. Isn't that amazing? I wish someone could come up here and explain that to me. How in the world is our God able to be just 
and merciful at the same exact time. Folks, that is a God thing. That is only something that God can do. And what we're going to find out throughout the rest of this passage this evening is that God is able uh, to, to, to work right with these two balances. And he's, it's a perfect balance that our God has. He's able to be just when he needs to be just and merciful when he needs to be merciful. And so the, the God that Abraham sees at the beginning of this passage is a just God. And one thing we're going to find out is towards the end, Abraham discovers how merciful God truly is. And so I'm, I'm very excited to share with you guys all of this. So really my goal tonight, though, is just for us to answer one question. And I think if we can answer this question that's found in our text, I think we can figure out what God has for us this evening. So let's look at that question real quick. question is this. Can the righteousness of one save the unrighteousness of many? Can the righteousness of one save the unrighteousness of many? Let's get started with our first point this evening from our text. Number one, God's assigned intercessor. Now, earlier I mentioned that Abraham uh, is acting as a priest here in this story, right? And when I say the word priest, I know in today's vernacular, uh, what do we think of when I, when I say the word priest? Catholic, Catholicism, right? Do you realize that the Bible is not referring to Catholicism whatsoever, when it's referring to a priest. No, a priest, especially the one that is painted here in this passage, is someone who would stand before God, someone who would hear the needs of the people. So in other words, another example, a priest was kind of like a bridge, right? a bridge that would span the gap from one side to the other. That is the biblical picture of a priest, and that is the job that Abraham has here in this story. And so... That really begs the question, though, since it's his job, since God offered him this job, you're probably wondering why in the world would Abraham accept this job, right? This is not a job that would be very popular. I don't think that there was a long line of people waiting to be priest for the city of Sodom, right? Do you think this is a popular job? Of course not. So it just begs the question, why in the world would Abraham agree to be this priest? So if we're not careful, we might come to the conclusion, wow, Abraham, what a good man, right? He was willing to do something that no one else was willing to do. Wow, Abraham is kind of like a hero. But folks, before we get too high on Abraham, I want, to, I want us to read verse 17 real quick. Verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? What is this verse saying? This verse is telling us that this wasn't Abraham's idea to begin with. This verse is telling us that Abraham did not just wake up out of bed one morning and just decide to be this go-between, to be this priest for the city of Sodom. So essentially what we find out from this verse is that Abraham is not the hero of this story. Church, who is the hero of this story? Our God is the hero of this story. You say, how is that? Because our God is the one who is behind the scenes, who is working, who is enabling Abraham to do something that he otherwise not have been able to do. So the next time we see this passage, let's not look at Abraham and say, wow, what a wonderful example. Let's look at this passage and say, wow, our God, what a hero, enabling someone to do something that they otherwise could not have been able to do. And there's so many examples of that, but I'll just leave that at that. So let's make sure and let's be very careful and slow 
to give God all the honor and all the glory. Men may be the, the shiny tools, the shiny instruments, but at the end of the day, our God is the one who is in control. Our God is the one who is enabling us to do stuff that is outside of our reach, outside of our power. So let's give God all the honor and all the glory. This brings us to our second point this evening, number two, God's substitutionary mercy. Now I want us to go to verse 23 real quick. Because I mentioned that there's a question here in this text. And if we can answer this question, I think we can figure out what God has for us this evening. So that question is presented in verse 23. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? What is God, what is Abraham asking here? Remember, up to this point, I think Abraham had a pretty good idea how just God was. I think he understood that God was 100% just. But I don't think he understood that God was 100% merciful. That's why he asked the question, he says, God. So in other words, just to rephrase this, God, is there a way where you could use your righteousness to cover the unrighteousness of someone else? So this is the, the million-dollar question, right? This is the, if we can answer this question, this is truly going to revolutionize the entire world. You understand how important this question is? And so how is this question answered? Well, we see this intercession that takes place before our very eyes. We see Abraham, he goes to God and he says, God, if I can find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, and based off of their righteousness, would you be willing to spare the remaining unrighteous individuals in that city. So just to help us understand what's going on here, let's say that there were a thousand people in Sodom. Okay, here's the proposal. Abraham went to God and says, God, if I can find 50 based off of their righteousness, would you be willing to spare 990 unrighteous individuals? Can anyone tell me, do you think that that is a fair deal? 50 righteous for 950 unrighteous Right? No sane person would ever say that that is a good deal, that that is a fair deal. Right? Because, so you, it really begs the question, well, what does God say to that proposal? If you're like me, reading this for the first time, you probably say to yourself, there's no way. There's no way that God can accept this proposal. But church, what did God say? God said, yes. Abraham, if you can find me 50 righteous people based off of their righteousness, I will spare the remaining. Right? But as we know, the story doesn't end there, right? It goes down 45, then 40, then 30, then 20. What does it go down to, church? 10. Abraham gets all the way down to 10. He says, God, what if I can find 10 righteous people? Would you be willing to spare the 990 unrighteous individuals? Church, what does God say to that? Inexplicably, our God says, yes. And church, if that doesn't scream God's grace to us, I don't know what would. You say, why is that? Because this is allowing us to see a principle that would one day revolutionize the entire world. We are finding out a principle all the way back in Genesis 18 that the righteousness of one could save the unrighteousness of many. Isn't that amazing, church? In case you're not, you're not catching on, I believe that Jesus Christ is that righteous one. 
I believe that Jesus Christ is the one that came down from glory. The Bible says that he was at the right hand of the Father. He came down from majesty, came down to earth. The Bible says that he robed himself in our fashion, in our likeness. He was tempted in every way that we are tempted, yet without sin. And church, what did he do? He died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. The Bible says that Jesus did something for us that we could never do on our own. He made us righteous in the sight of God. He interceded on our behalf when we were unlovely, when we were far away from God. He became that high priest, right? He became that bridge for us. He made it possible for us to be righteous in the sight of God. And the reason why I love this story so much is because of the parallels, right? Think about it, church. What was Abraham's job thousands of years ago? To intercede on the behalf of some sinners. Fast forward a few thousand years later. What was Jesus' job? To intercede on the behalf of some sinners. Finally, fast forward 2,000 years later. What is our job today? Is any different church? To intercede on the behalf of sinners. So my challenge this evening is simple. I believe, for those of us who are, are Christians in this room, for those of us who have repented and, and trusted Christ as our Savior, I believe that God is calling us to intercede on the behalf of those who desperately need to hear. In other words, I believe God is calling us to act like priests, to be Priests, Because if you are a Christian, the Bible tells us that we are priests. There's not a matter of, of deciding to be one. If you are a Christian, I hate to tell you, but you're already signed up for this. God has already made us priests. So in other words, again, I don't want that word to scare us. It's not a Catholic word by any means. It basically just means to intercede on the behalf of someone else. So my challenge this evening is simple. For those of us who are Christians, for those of us who have been bought with a price, right? If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he took away your sins forever, if you believe that, if, if you are trusting in him alone for salvation, not him plus anything else, if you are a born-again believer, I believe, again, God wants us to intercede on the behalf of someone else. So my challenge is simple. I want each and every one of us that's a Christian tonight to think of one person we know who is lost. Can you do that just for a minute? Just think of one person you know who was lost. This person could be a family member. It could be a dear friend. could be a neighbor. But just real quick, think of one person you know who was lost. Do we all have that person on our minds right now? Folks, what would it look like practically if we decided to intercede on their behalf? Now, I'm not talking about a wimpy 20-second prayer. No, I'm talking about earnestly fervently, we went to the throne room of God and begged God for that person's salvation. Church, if we did that, if we had that lens, if we had that perspective, the next time we see that person, do you think that we, we would just treat them like it was any other day? No. Right? I believe if we're thinking in this way, if we are asking God to work in our life and to give us these lenses, right, to give us this perspective, to view people as he sees people. If we have that, right, if God gives us with that ability, the next time you see that person, don't, don't you think that you might be compelled to invite that person to church? Absolutely. Do you think you might be motivated maybe to share the gospel with that person, maybe to invite that person out to lunch and to share your testimony with them? 
Absolutely. And at the very least, if we're viewing people in this way, if we are truly um, seeing people the way that God sees them, don't you think we will at least take a gospel track out and hand it to that person? Right? right? And at least get them to church so that they can hear the preaching of the Word of God? I think we all would say absolutely yes. So what is it going to take, church? What is it going to take for us to develop this perspective, right? To, to ask God to give us this, these lenses and, and, and so that we can see people the way that God sees people. Well, I think there are two things that we can learn from Abraham's life. You say, Abraham's life? What can we learn from Abraham? Didn't that intercession fail? The Bible does tell us that that intercession failed, but I believe that was just an object lesson. I believe that story was, was ultimately pointing to Jesus Christ. Yes, Abraham's intercession failed, but he was not the great intercessor, church. Jesus Christ is the great intercessor. He is the one that this, this whole story, the whole Old Testament was pointing to. He was the fulfillment of all of that. So we can praise God for that. Amen. And so two things we can learn from Abraham's life. Number one, we see that he had an intimate fellowship with God. If you look back in verse 33, it says, And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. Church, I believe it starts with an intimate fellowship with God. Are we in the Word of God, church? Is the Word of God in us? Because unless we have an intimate fellowship with us, unless God's Word becomes precious to us above anything and everything else, I can almost guarantee you that we're not going to care about those individuals that we have in our minds. We might give lip service to it, of course, right? We might get emotional about it for a little while, but if we don't have the Word of God compelling us and changing us each and every day, then you can almost count on it that you're not going to care, you're not going to view people the way that we ought to view people. And this brings us to the second point, the second thing that we learned from Abraham's life, and it's this. He prayed for the city of Sodom. You say, the city of Sodom, doesn't the Bible call them a wicked city? Of course it does. And you say, didn't they ultimately deserve the judgment that they they received? Of course they did. But that didn't stop Abraham from praying for that city. And I think it went beyond his family. We all know that he had family in Sodom. But I think God gave him a genuine burden for that city. I think when God gives you, uh, if you're a missionary, he gives you a country, right? A people on your heart. And if if he places you here Right in Clark Lake, Michigan, I believe that God has you here for a reason. Not just because it's a stepping stone. No, I believe that God has where we are for a reason. And that is to do something for His name. I believe that, that we are salt and light in this world. Right? That doesn't mean that we just you know, sit on our thumbs until He comes back. No, it means that we are to be witnesses, bold witnesses of Him wherever He places us. We are to be salt and light wherever God has us. And so the challenge today is simple. Are we willing to intercede on the behalf of that person that we have on our minds right now? I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm not saying there's a, a six-step way uh, to get someone sick. No, I'm just saying, are we willing to go to God and ask God to give us something that we can't give ourselves? Are we going to go to God and ask God to give us a burden for those individuals, right? So number one, starts with our intimate fellowship with God. And number two, He was a praying man. So church, are we a praying church? Are we praying that God would use this church right, to get the gospel to those who desperately need to hear it? So are we willing to intercede on behalf of those who desperately need to hear? Let's pray. 
You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.